All right, so let's go before the Lord once more. Father, we just uh, are, are looking to hear from you tonight, Lord. We spent that time, Father, kind of preparing our hearts. Worship is so important, Lord. It's just, what we do it is not to fill in. It's funny, somebody just kind of mentioned something. You have the singing and then the service begins or something. I, 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 I guess I understand people's misconceptions, Lord, but service begins, Lord, with uh, acknowledging you and worshiping you and lifting you up and setting our hearts in a, in a place, Lord, um, away from all that happened today or the worries or pressures or things we're concerned about or things we forgot to do or, I don't know, bills or this or that. And uh, we get to focus on you. And then, Lord, we, um, as we've prepared our hearts, Lord, we now ask that you would speak to us and you're so faithful to do through your word, Lord. So move by your spirit, Father, in our hearts and our midst tonight as we close out the light of Moses, Lord. Great man after your heart, Lord. We thank you for him. Bless this time for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, um, you could probably think of this chapter as... Um, Chapter 33 is, as that chapter, um, imagine a, a, a man who, in this Moses' case, by the way, we'll, we'll read again, is 120 years old. He knows he's going to die. And maybe you can picture it this way, although it didn't go down, but maybe it goes down somewhere in our lives. If you ever imagine there's an older man, the, the patriarch of the family, uh, you know, he's the leader, and, and, and he knows he's going to die, and so he calls you know, or his family comes and is around him, you know, surrounding him just before, you know, he goes home with the Lord and there's the family there. And maybe you could picture it that way, although it's, you know, this huge crowd of, of millions of, of, of Jews there. But you can kind of picture it that he is he is the one that has led them, that took them out of slavery and and, and used by the Lord to show miraculous signs and now turn them into this group of people that's going to be a nation with God's laws and, and leading and uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit, you know, trying to move them into the promised land. And he knows he can't go in there. And so he now, you know, on his deathbed, if you would, as a, as a, as a maybe an older man would speak to his family, he now blesses uh, them. And he, he calls the groups of families out by name and just, you know, pronounces a blessing. Uh, just like I think we would, right? If you knew your... Your days are short and you had loved ones and, you know, you could get them around you and you would just say, oh, you know, you were so great and I remember this and, man, I played the Lord will bless you in this and this and you kind of go around the room and, and, and do that. And that's kind of what Moses did on maybe a larger scale. And what he does is he, he blesses the groups of people. It, it may be a little hard to read the names from where you're sitting, but, but this is this kind of family tree and you see up at the top Abraham and Sarah and then they have a child, a promise. You remember him at 100 years old, Isaac and Sarah being 90. He marries Rebecca, uh, and they have twin boys, Esau and Jacob. They're twins. Uh, the Lord uses Jacob. He has a heart for the Lord. Esau, on the other hand, wants to do his own thing. And so God uses Jacob. He wants to marry Rachel, but you remember his father-in-law, Laban, kind of tricked him, and he married Leah first, and then... Um, Tony, why don't you move that mouse thing out of there, if you could? 
I don't know why the pointer's up there. And he marries uh, Leah, Rachel, and then there's some family squabbles, you know, that, that they, he ends up marrying two other gals, Bil, Bilhah and Zilpha. And, and between these four wives, if you would, of Jacob, they, they have 12 sons. And there's, there's a list of them all along here, 12 sons. And, and those, every Jewish person can trace their lineage back to one of these 12 boys. And so think of these, you know, this is a group of people. So Gad, you know, he had children. There's another chart I didn't bring up how many children he had. And they had children, and their children had children, and their children had children, and their children children had children, and and so on down the list. And now there's, um, uh, I don't know, Reuben has, um, sorry, I looked at it and I didn't write it down, about 50,000 people. So there's about 50, there's Reuben's the firstborn. There's about 50,000-ish, a little bit less, numbers tells us. Of Reuben, people from Reuben, and uh, and so you know that's all those people could trace their lineage back to him, and, and so that's how they get the twelve tribes. Uh, they're divided in the land. We'll see that tonight. The only thing that you'll see that might be a little confusing at times is sometimes there's listed thirteen because you remember when Jacob died, and did something very similar. He had his twelve boys around his bed um, when he was when he was dying, and he blessed them, and he said, you know. Uh, he took a, a time out to Joseph and said, Joseph, you know, because the Lord's used you, you've done such great things, you get a double portion. So what he says, I, I'm taking Manasseh which are and Ephraim, which are Joseph's two sons, and he says, I'm considering them my sons. So really, there's thir- when you see him list the name of the tribes, now they had a sister and probably other sisters, but we only know one is uh, Dinah there. But so you, the, of the 13 boys, uh, there's considered 13 because usually Joseph's not mentioned. Sometimes he is, but most of the time it's Ephraim and Manasseh. And so uh, he gets that double portion. And so now Moses, if you would, is knows the Lord's taken him home. And he just has this wonderful heart of wanting to bless all the people. And, and that's what chapter 33 is. And so uh, let's look at verse 1. Now it says, now this is the blessing um the uh, and now this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran, and he came with ten thousands of saints from his right hand and came a fiery law from uh, for them. Yes, he loves the people. All his saints are in your hand. They sit down at your feet. Everyone receives your words. And so, it, you know, uh, Moses is reminding them, you know, the Lord showed himself. And it, and it seems maybe, and maybe you could take by looking at this, um, just to get an idea of the Ten Commandments, which we're going through on Sunday morning. Uh, remember, there was this, this, this fiery fire going on top of the mountain and, and, and the earth was shaking and, and the smoke was rising and then you hear this booming voice of the Lord was coming forth when he spoke out those ten commandments and it seems here that Moses said the, the light of his glory when he was doing that shone for maybe hundreds of miles because those Mount Seir and Mount Paran are, are, are farther away they're a couple hundred miles away actually the farthest one and, and so maybe uh, you know, what Mo- What Moses is saying is when, you, you know, the glory of God, it, it was going out. I mean, that's how powerful and that's how mighty it was. And yet, 
And then also, he's, it looks like all, all his saints are in your hand. He's speaking about the angels being present as well uh, during this giving of, of the Ten Commandments. What I think all that says is, man, God is great. God is awesome. His glory just shines in his presence for, if you would, hundreds of miles. And yet, he, being who he is, infinite God, with these angels at his side when all this is happening. Because the New Testament, by the way, tells us about um, the law being put in effect with angels in, in the, the book of Hebrews. And, and he speaks this out, and he's just, he says, he's so powerful, he's so awesome, and so infinite, and yet he loves you. He, he, he loves you. He loves the people, it says in verse 3. And, and as even we prayed earlier, it's just kind of hard to fathom that. It's kind of hard to understand that. You know, he's infinite and beyond. Because some people, you know, the way they think of God, if you probably ask them on the street, you say, oh, you, you know, is God there? Oh, yeah, he's there. He's there somewhere, but he's God. You know, he's not, he's God. I'm, I'm a person, he's God. I mean, even I think most people recognize that. And they would say, he's just so far away and I'm so small. It's like, you know, us walking by a, some ants, you know, we're driving down East Lake here, and there's some ants, you know, making their way on the sidewalk or whatever. You, you, you wouldn't pay them any notice because they're just ants on the sidewalk, and you're driving your car down the street doing 35 or 45 if you're in a hurry like me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're driving whatever, you know, 25 down the street here, and and uh, you know, you wouldn't even give a thought to that. And some people think that's the way the Lord is. They just just don't give them thought and. And and, um, and and in some sense that there's some truth to that because he is so awesome and he is so powerful and he's so almighty. And, and if you think of, you know, the planets they're discovering and they uh, constantly now with these new telescopes in, in orbit and um, probes that they're sending out through the universe and they're, you know, they've got powerful lenses and they're peering into other universes and they're always looking for Earth-like planets. They call it in the Goldilocks zone, right? You know, where, you know, not too hot, not too cold, but just right. So they call that the Goldilocks uh, zone. And um, so, you know, they're always looking for that and they, you know, find all these planets and do all this. And, and, and you think how infinite the universe is and the Lord, you know, says he holds all that in his hand. And yet, Moses is saying here, he comes down to speak to you, to, to, to show his heart and his love and, 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 you know, this is who I am and this is what I want, you know, to see. I, I come down and, and he does it. Why? Because he wants to rule over us you know, under, our, under his thumb? No, because he loves us. And he wants that response in love. He loves us. And... That's what he's saying here. I came down, and he's powerful, and there's angels there, and there's so much going on, you don't realize the Lord's speaking to you, and, and he does it all because of love. And again, it's just hard for us to understand. Why would he love us? Why would he do go through so much? You know, we can hardly be nice to other people sometimes. Well, I can't speak for you. But you know we have these attitudes or these mood swings or emotions or because other things are going on or this or that or whatever. And you know people can be sometimes. And, and we always just kind of project that that's the way God is. We call that being capricious, which means 
you know, you're not sure what you're going to get, if you would. And, um, but he's not like that. He's perfect in love and he loves us. And though we don't understand why, you know, he would notice some ants on the sidewalk driving by on East Lake, so to speak, he does. And, and he, and, and he wants us to know him. And that's what Moses is saying. And so now he's going to, here, here's the division of the, of the nations. And you can see all those groups of people, those 12 groups, really, because the Levites don't get any land, remember? They, they get spread throughout cities, throughout these um, boys. But each color, and I have a better map in a little bit, well, that's the blessing God wants to give them. And so verse 4 says, um, Moses commanded a law for us, a heritage of the congregation of Jacob. And he was king in Jeshurun. Remember that? So that's a, that's a a name for uh, the Jewish people or the Israel. It means holy and loved. Or, I'm sorry, holy or righteous. I'm sorry. When the leaders of the people were gathered, all the tribes of Israel together, and then, so Moses says in verse 6, let Reuben live and not die, nor let his men be few. And so the first thing he addresses, the oldest boy was Reuben. And he, he says to him, you know, let him live and not die. Let his men be few. Now, why does he say that? Maybe because you remember way back in, in Numbers, there was this guy named Korah. And he decided he didn't like the way things were going. And he challenged Moses and and, hey, we're not going to do it, you know, that way. And why we're as good as anybody else. And who are you, Moses? And who are you, Aaron? And we're just, you know, as important as you guys. And so, you know, why can't we, you know, do these things? And we talked about all that. You know, they, they wanted to do things their way. And the Lord said, listen, you know, no, these are the guys I've chosen. This is the way I want to do it. And they rebelled against that. And you remember that was when the earth opened up and swallowed not only Korah, but these two guys named Dathan and Abiram, which were Reubenites. Remember, the, literally the earth opened up, everything and everyone fell into this chasm, and the earth closed. I mean, it's just some amazing thing when you read about it. And, and, and so there was, a, you, know, a, you know, I don't know, three or 4,000 people that, that, that died that day. And so, you know, the tribe had shrunk down, and maybe Moses is saying, listen, you know, yeah, those guys, they, you know, they had this rebellion and the Lord addressed it pretty quickly but you know uh, you know pray the Lord just blesses you guys and, and there'll be many of you and then verse 7 he says and then he said uh, of Judah hear Lord the voice of Judah and bring him to his people let his hands be sufficient for him and may you help against his enemies and so now he blesses Judah uh, you know, hear the voice of Judah. A lot of the, uh, a lot of the singers, if you would, the musicians came out of the tribe of Judah. Um, you can read about um, Asaph and uh, all that in the Book of Psalms. And so, you know, he's telling about these guys. They're going to be singing, and and let his hands be sufficient for him. Um, the Lord's going to give them the strength to do what they need to do. Isn't that a great thing to remember? God gives us the strength for what we need to do and what he's called us to do. Amen. And, um, you know, most of the time that, that that comes in the form of, man, I can't figure this out. Everything's falling apart. You know, the world's come crashing. How am I going to get through? I was going to, Lord, listen, 
Just look to me. I'll give you what you need to get through this. Well, how, how is this going to happen? Listen, just trust me. I'll give you what you need to get through this. And I will give you the strength of what you need for that day. Um, I think that's why it's kind of part of the Lord's Prayer, if you would, or the prayer to the disciples more accurately, right? Give us this day our daily bread, right? Well, wait a minute. I want, I really kind of like a month's worth of food, Lord. I don't want to just have to go every day, you know. I, I want a little stockpile. I want my little stash. I want to make sure I have enough. And, you know, one of the prayers, give us, give me what I need today, Lord. And what that, and we're always working against that. All of us, you know, our, our, our tendency is, well, we want to, and there's nothing wrong with planning and, and, and doing those sort of things, but at the end of the day, um, we want to do that so we don't have to worry about things. And, and, and I understand, and there's some wisdom there, don't misunderstand me. But remember, the Lord's always trying to move us to trust Him and really get down to it, to, to, to what I think it is, is that every day, you just come to me every day. You need to trust me for today. You know, not that, okay, good, I got that figured out, I learned that, I can do that. And then we kind of go our merry way, and then, you know, the Lord kind of just, you know, is over here, and we're kind of going over here because we think we've got it. And the Lord's like, no, I just, give us a day or daily, give me, give me what I need for today and be sufficient for what needs to be done in this case. And then verse 8 says, and of Levi said, um, let the th- uh, Thunum and the Ur- and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you have tested in Massa, with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers, or know his own children, for they have observed your word and have and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his sustenance, Lord, and accept the work of his hands. Strike the loins of those who would rise against him and those who hate him, that they rise not again. And so now he's talking about the Levites. Now he says that the Thunim, uh, Urim and the Thunim were these two stones that the high priest had. The Bible refers to them in, in a few places. and We don't really have a super whole lot of information about it, but what for what we do, it seems like that's how the Lord spoke to his people. We know David consulted them, and there were some others that did that. Um, but But basically, somehow... Uh, the high priest had these stones, and there was a place for him to kind of tuck them into his his vest there, if you would. And and somehow, uh, they and literally they mean lights and perfection. That's what Ur, uh, Urim and Thuma mean. Lights and perfection, that's the word, what it means. And somehow the Lord spoke, uh, if somebody wanted to inquire of the Lord, Lord, should I do this, should I not do that, what should I do? They went to inquire, they would go to the high priest... And he would somehow be able to speak. The Lord would be, would speak, you know, through him using these things. And so he says, you know, um, let your let you know be with you. That's going to be a place, you know, where you're going to 
Again, the priest's job was to re- represent the Lord to the people and represent the people to the Lord. That was his his role there. You know, in, a, in the New Testament, you know, we can all come to Jesus. He wants us directly to come. There's nobody in between. Um, I throw this at you. You know, this is one of the things when Jehovah's Witnesses come to our door. I left my poor wife out to hang when the Jehovah Witnesses knocked at our door the other day. I want to say, hey, I go, Ethan, let's see what she does. <laughs> I knew they were there. Um, sometimes I let my dog Buddy out there, and he barks like crazy at him. But uh, no, I do sometimes. But anyways, what I usually do, one of the things I usually do, because you can't follow what they say, because they have the whole rabbit trail going, and if you you follow that flow, and they've practiced it so well, um, it's difficult to navigate. But what I say is, you know, um, you know, uh, can you go to Jesus Christ directly? Can you? Uh, can you go, and I, you know, sometimes I use that verse in First John about, you know, you don't, you don't want anybody to teach you. You have the Holy Spirit in you to, to reveal God's plan and God's word. I said, can you, can you, have, a, can you have a relationship uh, with, with Jehovah? Because they like to use the word Jehovah, and if you say God, they get all, they can't hear for some reason. <laughs> you know, it kind of throws them off. So I say, you know, Jehovah, can you have a relationship with Jehovah, a loving, intimate relationship by yourself, just by yourself? And, and they don't usually know what to say. And I say, well, because this is what I can see. I, it doesn't matter if I go to my church. I, I can have that relationship. But if I decide to go to First Baptist Church, I, I can still go there and have an intimate relationship with him. Because it's not based on where I go. It's based on the relationship with him. And yes, the fellowship is part of it. But I, can, I could go to Green Valley. I could go to First Baptist. I could go to somewhere in Southern California or something. I said, could you do that? And they're, well, we have the, you know, Jehovah Watchtower and their elders and they, they pass the, the knowledge on to us. And I said, but can you do it without it? And they usually mumble around and some bumble around and most of them don't have an answer. But really, you know, if they're honest, they'll say, no, I need to go through the elders or, or those that lead the Jehovah and Watchtower society so I can get the truth from them. They get it from God. I, I, I get, get it passed on to me. And, um, uh, you know, that was that's what it used to be in the old covenant. But when Jesus came and fulfilled the law, you know, we have that direct access now that curtain's been ripped. That's why it was torn. The access is now open. And um, and, and these guys, you know, they had to go to them. And, and, and the, Moses is asking, hey, may you, you know, continue to, to be used by the Lord. And he reminds him. Remember that time when they built the golden calf and Moses came down from the mountain and broke the Ten Commandments, the first edition, right? He broke them there and what are you guys doing? And then Moses said, you know, these guys were partying. They were involved in all kinds of sexual sins going on. I mean, it was a wild party, right? And and he said, who's with the Lord? And you remember the only people that got up were, were, were the Levites. And then Moses said, you, you need to put an end to this sin. And you go out throughout the camp, and anybody that's partaken in this stuff, that's it for them. And he said, you know, you don't, don't take concern who they are, or if they're connected to you. And these guys faithfully did that. And that's what he's reminding them. You were faithful to serve the Lord and stand up for Him when everybody else was heading in the wrong direction, and some people were certainly off in this wild you know, even after God spoke to him, this wild party tangent, and, and you guys, you know, were obedient at great personal cost. 
it was personal cost. And and so, you know, may the Lord bless you. They proved in a sense that they were trustworthy to, to handle the things of the Lord. And he says, be faithful to that. You, you've been uh, proved true to handle my word faithfully. Now continue to do that. I think it's a great thing. That's what you're doing tonight, right? You, you want to hear the word of God. You want to hear what the Lord has to say. And as you learn and grow, be faithful. Be faithful to, to pass it along. Be faithful to, to, first of all, live it as God's called us to live it. Be faithful. We have access. We don't have to do this anymore. Thank the Lord. You know, we have direct access through Jesus Christ. And these guys were faithful. And, you know, Mo- Moses is asking that the Lord bless him. And what a great thing to be faithful. We're, we're not, you know, shown regard for this or that. We, 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 we're faithful. Well, they're my boss. Well, they're this, they're that. No, 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 no. We're still faithful to God's word. We're faithful to what he says. We need to do that, regardless of who they are. Well, verse 12, of Benjamin, he said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him who shelters him all day long, and he shall dwell between his shoulders. And and again, there was kind of that look of Benjamin. Now, Benjamin, you can see it's kind of squeezed in there. And, you know, they're kind of squeezed in, and, and they bore some heavy burdens. Uh, the Benjamites were always known for being, like, incredible warriors, guys that could use their left hand and their right hand equally as well, which, you know, you don't run into... Well, I, I, maybe I've run into maybe one or two people that really could use the right hand and the left hand just, you know, the same. And, um, you know, they were, they were there, and that's, they were on the edge of where Jerusalem was. And so he, he blesses them as well. And then verse 13, And of Joseph he said, Blessed of the Lord in his land, with the precious things of heaven, with the dew and with the the deep lying beneath, with the precious fruits of the sun, with the precious produce of the months, with the best things of the ancient mountains, with the precious things of the everlasting hills, with precious things of the earth and its fullness, and the favor of him who dwelt in the bush, speaking of the Lord. Let the blessings come on the head of Joseph, and the crown of his head of whom who was separated from his brothers. His glory is like the firstborn bull, and his horns like the horns of a wild ox. Together with them, he shall push the peoples to the ends of the earth. There are ten thousands of Ephraim, and there are thousands of Manasseh. So this is definitely the largest group of people. Uh, uh, And and again, God is still speaking of the blessings that you know will continue for hundreds and hundreds of years because of Joseph. You know they're going to be blessed with this. They're going to be blessed with that. Lord bless them with this because of Joseph. Because what did Joseph did when he was separated from his brothers and how faithful he was? You know one of the one of the things I love reading and I love talking about is the life of Joseph. That guy in Genesis was nothing short of absolutely incredible. You know, there's two people in the Bible that the Lord never speaks of any sin that they've done. And one of them is Joseph and the other is Daniel. 
most of the rest, you know, people, there's great things, and they did great things, but God has also revealed, you know, some of the sins that they've done as well. But not with Joseph and not with Daniel. Joseph was faithful. I mean, he was away from home. He was a young man. He could have just been involved headlong in Egypt. He had access to everything all the time. You know, he's like, uh, he would be on the A-list of all the parties of the great, rich and famous, you know, in, in Hollywood or up in Silicon Valley or, you know, in the hills of Palo Alto out there or up in, you know, Knob Hill and Russian Hill and San Francisco or wherever all the elites go and all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, he had access to all that, but he lived a holy and righteous life and was um, faithful to God in every way. And because of that, you know, the blessings continued for hundreds and hundreds of years after that. And what I think it's important for us to see, and what maybe we don't really understand or we don't really maybe always put in perspective is, you know, how great of an impact you and I can have when we follow the Lord wholeheartedly like Joseph. You know, we, we, we don't forget what an impact that has on the people around us, on our family, off loved ones, off, 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 you know, people that we may never meet, but yet because of our faithfulness and, and, and us being faithful and following the Lord, it, I think it has this huge, huge impact how do you know that, Dylan? Because we read about it. I mean, this is uh, 1,500, 2,000, 3,600 years ago or thereabouts. And we're still talking about it. Because of the great impact the Lord recorded that we might be reminded or that we might know. And, 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 and you know, don't you want your name recorded? Maybe not in this book, but in, in the annals written in heaven of our faithfulness. And the Lord says, listen, uh, because of what he did and his faithfulness in a, in, a, in a society that put pressures to do all sorts of stuff and he stayed faithful, people were blessed for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after that. And I, I, I just don't discount because you might think, well, who really cares? And what's it really going to affect? And what's the big deal? And, you know, everybody's doing it. And I still feel this way. And, I, you know, I still doesn't change how I feel. But, but it is a big deal. And the Lord works miraculously. And, and, and we shine so brightly when we're so faithful, especially in the darkest times. You know, it's hard. Uh, I, get, I get, you know, uh, discouraged at times. And... You think, you know, man, what impact, you know, we really have on the Pajaro Valley. I look at that as our mission field. And I said, of all the people, you know, it doesn't, it's such a small percentage. And, but why, Lord, I don't understand. And, you know, do you make it even an impact? And it just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse around us. Things aren't getting better. It's getting darker and harder. And, you know, the Lord reminded me, you know, the darker it gets, the, the brighter you're going to shine, the more you're going to stand out, the more, um, you know, people are going to see. And that's what we have to remember. Yeah, it's getting worse and bad, but we don't get discouraged and give up. We realize we'll stand at it even more in a good way. And we need to be faithful, and we'll have a huge impact when we follow the Lord with our whole heart, just as Joseph did. Well, verse 18, and of Zebulun, he said, 
Rejoice, Zebulun, in your going out, and Issachar in your tents. They shall call the peoples of the mountains. There they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness, for they shall partake in the abundance of the sea and of treasures hidden in the sand. Now, we don't know what that is, but it's kind of funny. The Jews always you know, have this little funny thing is why when, you know, they came into the promised land and why didn't Moses, instead of going straight ahead, why didn't he make a right turn and head towards the Arabian desert, which is Saudi Arabia now, which is gazillions of oil, right? I mean, literally, instead of going up out of Egypt, if you just kind of gone this way a little bit and settled there in that promised land, they would be, you know, rich fat cats like all those Saudi princes that have um, you know, buying movies now and all kinds of crazy stuff. And one guy I was reading had, um, was it Mariah Carey or what's the one that messed up on New Year's Eve that didn't sing and left? Mariah. Yeah, it was Mariah Carey. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, had her over for a concert for his son or something. You know, something crazy like that. Paid her $5 million and a plane over there. But it was nothing, right? And, and here they are, you know, there in Israel. They've been drilling everywhere. As a matter of fact, because of this, some people have actually drilled in that area. Well, um, go back to our, our, our map up there. So they've, they've drilled uh, up there and they thought, there's got to be something here. There's got treasures in the sand. What is it? And they never found any oil. But interestingly enough, um, a couple years ago, and I want to say that maybe it's more like five or six, you know, time flies, but they found this huge natural gas reserve right off the coast there. They, they, uh, Israel never usually used much natural gas. Um, they, their, their society, you know, five, ten years ago, they used very little, but now they found this huge reserves of natural gas that they're actually exporting, that they're, now they're kind of self-sufficient because of, um, uh, of this huge natural gas deposits that they found right off the coast there. Is that it, what they're speaking of? I don't know. Just throwing that out for food or thought, but but God says, you know, there, there's something there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to bless you, and may the Lord continue to bless you because of that. And in verse twenty, and of Gad, he said, "Blessed is he who enlarges God, who dwells as a lion and tears the arm and the crown of his head. He provided the first part for himself because a lawgiver's portion was reserved there." He came with the heads of the people. He administered the justice of the Lord and his judgments with Israel. And so Gad here, you know, was powerful and used in a powerful way. And, you know, may the Lord bless him and give him that portion because righteous and doing what's right and uh, living what's right, what's, what's right. And the Lord said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless that. And verse 22, and of Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's whelp. He shall leap from Bashan. And, and again, just, to, you know, the strength there. And Dan was a very powerful uh, group of people. In verse 23, and of Naphtali, he said, O Naphtali, satisfied with favor and the full of the blessing of the Lord possesses the west and the south. And, and so again, He's asking the Lord to bless him with, with so much, in abundance. And of Asher, he said, Asher is the most blessed of sons. Let him be favored by his brothers, and let him dip his foot in oil. Your sandals shall be iron and bronze, as your days, so shall your strength be. And, and so he 
pours out this blessing and oil was just something of richness and luxury and of blessing. And, you know, the sandals of iron and bronze. In other words, it means strength, right? And then he puts at the end here, as your days, so shall your strength be. Lord, give them what they need when they need it. Pretty close to what we said. And, 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 and the Lord does that. You know, my desire is, Lord, give it to me ahead of time so I'm all prepared, I'm all equipped, I have all this, just give it to me, you know. And and the Lord so much is like, well, if I give you all that, then where's your, your faith and your dependence and, and going to me and looking to me? And, and, you know, again, give them what they need when they need it. And the Lord's faithful to do that. Most of the time, I have to admit, it seems very late in my life. What, why is it, why is it taking so long? Why does it seem like at the very, very end, you, you know, Lord, um, you know, then all of a sudden something happens. I, I you know, just even in, in the church here, um, Annabelle's better at remembering this, maybe last October, September, maybe it was early in the summer. <laughs> Time kind of, Escapes me a little bit, but you know, we were just, we just didn't even have enough money to pay the rent. And uh, maybe it was a year, maybe it was a year ago. I, don't, I can't remember. Sorry. Time kind of flashed. And I was, you know, we're going back and forth and, and okay, Lord, should we move out of here? Is this the time? What do we do? And, you know, it was a pretty frustrating uh, experience. And uh, to say the least, I have to tell you, because, well, there's a whole story behind that that you don't need to get into. But, you know, you just find at the end that, you know, as you wait and you get to that point that seems like it's just you're all teetering on the edge of disaster. Right? You know, one more step and all of a sudden you're going to fall 5,000 feet or something. And, uh, you know, and the Lord just is there and he gives you what you need to, to you know, make it through that day and to, to do this. And, they, okay, Lord, you're going to, you know, open this door. Or this thing happens. And, and he's asking for that, you know, that they'd be blessed with that. And truly, we are blessed with that. And we just have to remember, and that's where faith comes in. Okay, Lord, it's your timing. You know what's best. I, I'd like you to do something about it now and fix this now and take care of that now and give me that right now. And, and that way I don't have to go all the way to that point. And the Lord says, well, listen, you learned some great lessons through that. And um, I've always said this, and I'll say it again. You know, when... Jesus is all you have, and you get to that point where you don't have anything, <laughs> and Jesus is all you have, you, you realize Jesus is all you need. As I said, it's usually the best day and the worst day of your life at the same time. You, you, you've run out of everything, and you realize, Lord, I only have you, and then you realize, Lord, I have you, and I don't really need anything else because I have you. And, and usually it's a very the worst day getting to that point, and it's the best day because all of a sudden that's revealed to you and it becomes real to you in that wonderful sense. And so he's saying, you know, Lord, give them what they need when they need it. And God's faithful to do that. Amen. Verse 26, there is no, uh, there is no one like our God of Jeshurun who rides the heavens to help you and his excellency on the cloud the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy before you and say, Destroy. Then Israel shall dwell in safety. 
the fountain of Jacob alone, in the land of grain and new wine, his heavens shall be also drop also drop dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. Your enemies shall submit to you, and they shall tread down their uh, and you shall tread down their high places. And so again, not only will the Lord protect them, but will bless them. And He says, "Happy are you." You know, we, we rejoice uh, that you're a great possession of the Lord. And what a fitting way to end Moses' calling. You know, Lord will take care of you. Now they're about to go into the land. There's, they're about to go into some pretty big battles, pretty impossible odds. You know, they're not warriors. They're not soldiers. God's giving this land, yet, you know, he was going to do the work, but they had to show up. They had to be ready. They had to follow what God said. And so he's saying, you know what? The Lord's going to take care of it. Trust him. Whatever that enemy looks like to you, whatever that battle you're facing right now, whatever the heartache or heartbreak or difficulty or questions that are unanswered, you don't know. He's with you. You're his great possession. He's going to take care of it and do his perfect will in the perfect time. And then he reminds that. And he says, happy are you. You know, it's going to be a great thing. And he's going to give you victory. That's his promise. And we know Jesus is our victory. He's overcome. Well, the last chapter is, um, maybe it's the first part of the book of Joshua, or maybe even Moses pre-wrote you know, his death. It could happen as well. But here's the re- recording of it, verse 1. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab, to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pishka, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, which is the Mediterranean, by the way, the south into the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of, uh, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar, Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give you, give it to you, I'm sorry, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. And so, here's the tribes that he was looking at. Now, he was down here, okay? He's down here. Um, Sorry, find the mountain. Across from Jericho, so there's Jericho. So he's in the mountains right in here, okay? And he's looking at all this land, because God said, you're looking as far as up there, you're looking as far as down here, you're looking over to the sea here. And, and um, you know, here's a picture of it today. So out in the distance is the Sea of Galilee is over here. You can see Jerusalem is here. I'm sorry, Jericho is here. Jerusalem would be here, and the Dead Sea would be down there. Now, here's another view of the mountain, just looking at it. That's looking out that way. So another view on the top of the mountain there. Now, I look at this, I look at the map, and I look, man, that'd have to be a perfectly clear day, which is entirely possible. I kind of personally have the sneaking suspicion that, that you know, the Lord gave him to see a few hundred miles, which, you know, um, I think would naturally be not possible. 
Um, and, and But he wanted them to see the promise that I've made is being fulfilled. I keep my promises, if you would. Well, what promises has he made to you? What promises has he made to us? What, what promises have we read in God's word? He's showing and shows and says many times, but this is just one of them, that I fulfill those promises. We can trust him. We can trust him. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, verse 5 says, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Now we have this verse, and it doesn't tell us. It seems like you know the Lord just took him home, and in some way or fashion, miraculously, it seems just had his body buried somewhere, and nobody knows. He didn't want anybody to know. But we do have an interesting verse in the New Testament that speaks about this, and that's in Jude chapter nine. I'm sorry, Jude 9. There's only one chapter, so Jude verse 9 says this. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And so you know that the whole story goes on to say, hey, you know, people that don't know anything spiritually you know, talk to the devil like nothing, and, and even Michael wouldn't even do that. But the interesting point is, that tells us that when this happened, what we're reading here in Deuteronomy 34 was there was some kind of spiritual battle going on. The devil somehow wanted to, to get Moses' his body, and the Lord didn't want him to get it, and so Michael, there was some obviously some dispute, argument, I don't know how it goes down, but, you know, with, with Michael, and he wouldn't give the devil his body, and we don't know why, but it seems pretty clear to me that, um, you know, if, if his body was around, they'd probably be worshiping his body. You know, it would become an idol to them. And so the Lord doesn't want them to stumble. And, uh, you know, again, it's kind of funny. It doesn't stop people today, does it? I mean, people, you know, if somebody dies and they have a, a grave there and they go up and touch it and they worship it and people still do it today and maybe that's what might have been a problem with the people and so God says no it's, it's it, you're not going to do use Moses' bones in that way and um, interesting we just don't have a whole lot but I shared with you all that we know um, but there was a spiritual battle with that interestingly enough that's not revealed here but in the New Testament well, verse 7, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. I, I find this miraculous. Now, in some ways, you know, um, remember Moses reminding the people, hey, when the 40-year death march in the wilderness went wrong, we, we were waiting for that generation to die out before we can go into the land. Remember Moses said, your, your shoes didn't wear out? They still had the tags on them. <laughs> your clothes didn't wear out? I mean, it was still, I don't know how you sport the same shirt for 40 years, but it was still good. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I guess if everybody wears some kind of gray thing, you kind of, oh well. But, but you know, and it seems like in some way Moses was kind of locked in that way. I mean, at 120, he wasn't like on a, 
you know, seventh, eighth's dead, you know, one foot in the grave, getting around, couldn't see, couldn't hear, like we naturally would. God preserved him in a natural way, and he seemingly, his natural vigor didn't diminish. He was ready to, to go in there. So it wasn't like he died of just being of old age. He was 120. There was this amazing vigor still. And verse 8, And the children of Israel wept for Moses. And let me just make one quick comment on that. You know, don't ever discount God. You think naturally 120 is almost impossible to get to that age. But, man, if you do, you're just sitting in some old home watching TV 23 hours a day or whatever, right? You know, uh, and God's still using him. And don't think you ever got too old or aren't useful in some way to the Lord. You know, don't ever count yourself out. Well, I can't do that because of this. I can't help Tony move because my back hurts too much. I'm just kidding, Tony. We're moving Tony around. But you know what I mean? Don't, don't count. We did it. <laughs> don't, um, you know, don't count, don't count, don't count out. Don't think I'm too old for this. I've done too much. I've been so far. I, you know, I got too many skeletons in the closet or whatever it is or this or that or physically or mentally. Hey, Lord can keep Moses going like he's whatever, 30 years old or whatever, 120. Certainly could do that for us. Certainly wants to do that for us. So don't never count yourself out. Well, verse 8, And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Now Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for the Lord had laid I'm sorry, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him as and at, did as the Lord had commanded Moses. So now Joshua is you know, their leader. He's equipped, you know, being filled and led with the Holy Spirit, ready to go. God doesn't leave him leaderless and, oh, well, you know, oh, what are we going to do? Let's vote on somebody. You know, let's, no, 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 God had it all worked out. He had the right, right man, equipped him, ready to leave, full of the Spirit. After they... Mourn for Moses for a month, and then verse 10 says, But since uh, then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, and all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land, and by all the mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed, in the sight of all Israel. Also, the final words of Moses, there was nobody like him. You know, he met the Lord face to face. He had that special relationship with him. And it was very special. In that day and age, looking up until the work of Jesus on the cross. Don't forget that you and I have that same access, and even a greater access than Moses had. He's with us. He's there with us. And he says now, he had to go to meet with him. With us, he dwells in us. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. He is there 24-7. Wanting and desiring for us to spend time with him. Because he loves us. Perfectly. Amen? Father, we do thank you for this time again that we... Just look at the great work that you did through the life of Moses. And though there was ups and downs and 
hiccups and bumps along the road and some real difficult and dark days, certainly, to say the least. But Father, we see the great end that he comes to. It was time for you to bring him home. And Lord, remind us, Father, that you just have a great plan for us as well. Each one of us in this room, you want to do great and wonderful things in our lives. But you'll never take us one step further than we're willing to go. And so I pray for us tonight that we would have willing hearts. That we would allow you to be Lord. That we would allow you to be the one who loves us and to use us and to cause us to grow and closer to you and see you greater and expand our, our knowledge of you and our desire to serve you. I don't know if the world has ever seen a person that its heart is wholly committed to you and what they can do. I think we get some pretty good glimpses through the life of Joseph, Father, you show us, and, and, and others. They just set their hearts on you and want to follow you and desire to do things the way you want and trust you even though they're locked in jail for no good reason. That are at the bottom of a pit crying out, thinking, man, this is never, this is dark and it's never going to turn to light. And yet, his faith never wavered and we see the great work that you did in the end and you want to do the same thing in our lives as well. I pray for those that are kind of in a dark place, in a dark pit, not feeling good, not worried about what's going to happen, wondering how things got so bad and time got away and it seems like it's just too late and what's the point and what's the use and how am I going to ever get out of this, this place? Father, you, you've got to do it because you love them. And you just call us to walk and trust with you day by day. Give us what we need on that day. You're faithful to do that. And Lord, we'll see you do great and wonderful things as we just put our trust in you, turning away from our own understanding and leaning upon you. And you'll lift us up and you'll bring us to places and do things in our life that we can never begin to imagine ever could be done. Because that's the great and loving God that you are. So we thank you, Father. We love you. We ask that you would continue to bless us with your presence. Help us to be faithful and to keep our eyes focused on you. And Lord, Lord, we'll experience joy and peace and satisfaction that can't be found any other way. You're what we're looking for. You're always what we're longing for. And you'll fulfill us to overflowing, Father, because that's your promise. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you guys. Have a great evening. Continue to walk in Him. Amen.